when was the last time you named something? Maybe a car or a fort or a pet. And this is why I brought up your dog, you guys. When I was in college, my roommates named my car Chip because the previous owner had put a dent in it. So I had Chip, the car. When I was a boy and we had some, some woods on our property and we had a fort back in the woods, we called it Bullfrog Fort, though I don't know if there was ever a bullfrog in those woods. Um, and of course, pets. We named pets. And my home has no shortage of pets. We also have a dog at home named Maisie. She's about 14. And I remember I wanted to name her Maggie, but my wife said no because her cousin's name was Maggie. And you couldn't name the dog after the cousin. And yet when, when it was time to name the rabbit, uh, Kelly offered the name Kevin. And I said, you can't name a rabbit Kevin. That's just a strange name for a rabbit, so it's butterscotch. Uh, and then when it came time to naming the gerbils, one of the gerbils' name is Indiana Jones, which of course we know that the dog was named Indiana. So, you know, we name pets. All kinds of uh, things come to our minds. It's sort of the same thing when it comes to naming a church, right? There's lots of different things you could name yourself, but at some point, people gathering together to worship Jesus have to come up with a name for their church. Where do you go to church? You have to have something to tell them, right? Some churches are named after people. I think, for example, of St. John's or St. Peter's. Peter's one of my favorite uh, characters in the Bible. Or St. Dominic's, named after... uh, the saint who established the Dominican order. Um, Did you all know uh, that St. Dominic is the patron saint of astronomers? I didn't know that. I think that's kind of cool. I I was wondering, by the way, who's the patron saint of um, birds? Of course, that's St. Francis. But then baseball. Did you know there's an unofficial saint of baseball? St. Rita, because of a reference in a movie. Rita of Cassia. I digress. Other churches are named after the the location they are at. I think of Life 21 at 2100 Jefferson or whatever street that is. Or Northfield Community Church. They name themselves based on where they are located. Other churches name themselves after a, a, a concept like Canvas Church or Hosanna Church. Canvas, this idea that in Christ we're a new creation and God paints art in our lives. Hosanna, this call for rescue and salvation. Other churches are simply named after their denomination. I think of First UCC or the Methodist Church. Don't need to um, uh, get too creative here. It's the Methodist Church, right? Or other churches are named after a place in the Bible, like Bethel Church, or if you've ever heard of a church named like Calvary, something like that, or Emmaus, our church. I thought about not preaching on this text. We're in a series right now called Gathering Stones. How is it that God builds community around Jesus, around Christ? And to get us there, I'm using these resurrection narratives, these stories in the Gospels where Jesus reveals himself to his followers as the the resurrected and risen Lord. And I thought, maybe I'll skip this one because I've preached it before. Um, you know, uh, as, as not too long ago, as January 19th, I referenced this story in that timeout sermon that I did not too long ago. So I thought about skipping this one. 
then I thought about all the times that I share with my kids why they have the names they have and the connections um, between their names and the meaning of their names or the people that they're named after. And even though every now and again my kids kind of say, wow, we know that story, it doesn't stop us from sharing with them why they have the name they have. And so I thought, you know, let's just stick with this. So I've got four observations I want to make from this text. And here's the fun thing you can do. If you've heard me preach this text before, maybe you know what the points are. We'll see. We'll see how you do. Okay, the first observation about this text and this story, as these disciples are walking to Emmaus, is that they are heartbroken. They're heartbroken. And that's the first observation I want to make. They're walking with Jesus, and Jesus asks them a simple question. What are you talking about so intently? And they're walking, and Luke tells us that they literally stop walking. They stop. Can you think of the last time you were on a walk and you're walking, and something that the other person says to you is so arresting that you literally stop walking and turn to them and say, what? Because that's essentially what's happening here. They turn to Jesus, the one who was crucified, the one who was buried, and the one who rose, the one who went through that whole bogus trial and endured the suffering uh, set before him. And they look at him, and they say to him, You have got to be the only person in this whole town who does not know what happened. Their faith is in pieces on the floor. The one they hoped in as their Messiah was crucified. And right there, in that emotional place, is where Jesus meets them. Jesus invites them to talk about it. Invites them to let him in. And invites them to tell him all about where they're at and what happened. At our church, Emmaus Church, we have a history of being a place where brokenhearted people come and they're able to find healing and they're able to just come as they are. And if faith has been shattered, I hope that this is a place where we can help people, allow people the time it takes to try and piece faith back together. Uh, A man was visiting a church, and he's talking with one of the welcome people. And the welcome person is going on and on about this church. And they say, this church has great music. It's inspired. This church has preaching. It's anointed. Anointed preaching. And, and you can read about our beliefs, solid. And, and you can read about our discipleships and our Bible studies. This is a wonderful place. And this man visiting said, uh, that sounds amazing. But I do have one question. Is this a place where I could be sad? Is it okay to be sad in this church? Because sometimes we're heartbroken and the chips are down. And I hope that this church, Emmaus, can be a place where people can be sad because the truth is when things seem broken is when God does his best work. Second point, and uh, if you've been a part of this church for any uh, number of months or years, you probably knew this one was coming. 
These people are on a journey. Did you guys think that was coming? Yeah, everyone's nodding their head. You probably did too. These people are on a journey, literally and figuratively. They don't understand everything. They're walking on this road. But it's also a walk that they're taking in their faith and their understanding of what God is up to. They need to learn more. They need to discover more about Jesus. The faith that they have is a journey. They have hope in Jesus, right? They say we had hoped that he was the Messiah. But then they hit this crisis point in their faith. It happens. It's a part of the journey. And crises in faith, they look different for different people. Sometimes it can be that a spiritual practice becomes very hollow. I have heard numerous people say that something happens in life. They hit a crisis, and reading Scripture just kind of becomes hollow for them. Or for others, prayer seems very empty. I can relate to that one for sure. There is doubt. There is anxiety. For some people, hitting a crisis point in faith is, is a time when they, 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 they pull away, they pull back from church. They pull back from engaging. Though I will say this, you know, our society is one that likes to have stuff figured out, answers, a plan, and we act accordingly. But if there's something that this time that we're in right now reminds us of, is that sometimes it's difficult to have everything all figured out. Sometimes uh, we, we don't have a, a clear roadmap. And what if you're not sure? Then what? Who can you talk to about it? And I, I hope that when it comes to faith, our, our church is one filled with people who are willing to listen to others wherever they are at. I mean, I find it very encouraging that when Jesus comes alongside these two disciples, he does not say, no, uh, he does, he does kind of have a word of uh, maybe rebuke, right? Hey, come on now. Uh, don't be of little faith. But what he doesn't say is he does not say, clearly, you don't have it figured out. I'll catch up with you later. Once you have things straightened out and you have it all worked together, I tell you what, go ahead and go back to church at that point. That's not at all what he says. Meets them where they are, and their doubt, all of these kinds of things. And when we aren't sure, when our views of God or Jesus or church are challenged or shifting, I don't think that's a time to pull away from church. I think it's a time to lean in. It's a time to lean in. Now, it doesn't need to be a Mayus church, okay? And I know it, it, it can drive some people kind of bonkers the way that I say, well, what about that church or how about this church? Um, I just mentioned at the top of this message a whole slew of great churches in this town. Lean in. You don't have to have it all figured out. It's a journey. Don't be afraid to be honest. And I would hope that here at Emmaus, we are all given the grace to be where we are. Goodness, it is in our name. Let's live it out. Third point third point, and I'm doing pretty good on time, so maybe I just kind of riff for a while, I don't know. The third point is this, they engage and they find hope and truth in the scriptures. They engage with the Bible, right? The teachings of the Hebrew Bible. Now Jesus walks them through this. 
Jesus is the interpreter of the Scriptures because the Scriptures in this story point to Jesus. We read the Scriptures to encounter God, not just to reconstruct history, not just to set up new rules, and not to find just simply kind of inspiring words to get us through the day, though each of those things may happen. The ultimate reason we engage with the Bible is to encounter a personal God who has a claim on us and who has a plan for our lives. It's to engage with this personal God who wants to be in relationship with us. It says that Jesus, starting with Moses and going through the prophets, walked them through the Bible. And why? Why did he do that? I was in a preaching workshop uh, a year or two ago, maybe. And I'm in this workshop. Where it's, it's me and then maybe eight or nine other preachers. And the facilitator, the, the, the workshop is on preaching the Old Testament. And the facilitator at one point asks this question to the group. When you're preaching the Old Testament, when you're preaching the Hebrew Bible, do you have to mention Jesus? Now, in my heart, the second that those words were spoken, my heart was jumping up and down. Yes! 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 Now, my colleagues uh, in the room felt otherwise. And one after another, and I was a little surprised by this, they each gave some legitimate rationale, actually, as to why you wouldn't have to mention Jesus if you're preaching from the Old Testament. And I sat there, listening, and I felt like Mary, as she explains the empty tomb to the disciples, and she says, they have taken my Lord, and I do not know where they have taken him. <laughs> That's how I felt. Because Jesus is our rabbi. And if you want to preach from the Old Testament and not mention Jesus, okay. But anything that is spoken of from our Hebrew Bibles that we have in the Word, it has to flow through the filter of our rabbi Jesus. He is the one who tells us what it means. Everything. And so if the Pharisees are saying, this is how you honor the Sabbath, but Jesus is saying, mm -mm, here's how you honor the Sabbath, I'm going with Jesus. And if the Pharisees are saying, here's what it looks like to be pure and holy, but Jesus says, uh-uh, this is what it means to be pure and holy, I'm going with Jesus. And if the Pharisees are saying, these are acceptable people to God, but Jesus says, these are acceptable people to God, you know what? I'm going with Jesus. And if the Pharisees are saying, this is the sacrifice you need to make in your life to be acceptable to God, and Jesus says, I, de I desire mercy, not sacrifice, I'm going with Jesus. Whew! Ain't no one saying amen in here, but I can hear it in my heart. I can hear it in my heart. Jesus, whatever anyone wants to say the Bible means or, or, or give an interpretation, it has to square with the ministry and the teachings of our Lord Jesus. Or it's a bogus interpretation for us because Jesus is the one we follow. Okay, last point. These people on the road to Emmaus, gather together around a table. I, I, I think it's um, 
This actually hit me listening to Rhonda read that I hadn't grasped quite the same way before. So they get to this town of Mass, and they're going to have a meal. And Jesus acts as though he's going to uh, continue on the road and go somewhere else. And they kind of plead with him, why don't you stay? Come on, stay with us. They are extending to Jesus without even knowing it. Hospitality. That's what's happening in that moment. They're extending to Jesus hospitality. These people gather around hospitality and they gather around meals. And, and it's in that moment where they're breaking bread together with Jesus. I know I've said this before. I'll say it again. It won't be the last time you hear me say it. That's when they realize that they're in the Lord's presence. I think that's interesting. When they hear the scriptures being taught to them by Jesus, though they don't know it's him, in the scriptures they see the truths of Christ. And in the scriptures they see the hope of Christ. But it was at the table, breaking bread with him, that they realized the presence of Christ in their lives. I think that's important. The breaking of the bread. They recognized it was him. Jesus was with them the whole time. He was with them the whole time, they did not know it. They did not know it. But it was gathering together like that. Um, I was reminded recently of um, something I said in a sermon, which, of course, is always a dangerous thing. But I preached a sermon one time on worship, and I was talking about, um, because I hear people say this sometimes, you know, um, I don't go to church, I'm not part of a church, because when I'm in the woods by myself, I'm, I'm, that's kind of church for me. And I was, I was preaching on this, and I said um, something to the effect of, you know, when you're in the woods and you hear the, the sounds of nature or you see the splendor of creation, those are, those are moments of worship. There's no doubt about it. I, I've, I've, you know, watched sunsets, been on the North Shore, camping, um, hikes, and you're, you're overwhelmed with the sense of awe and the wonder of creation, and the splendor of God. No doubt. And then I said this, but that's not church. It's not church. I remember being a kid, and uh, you remember, maybe you do, you've done this too, right? Um, here's the church, here's the steeple. I'm getting some nods here. You've done this before. Here's the church, and here's the steeple open it up and see all the people. Yeah. And it's the first time I can remember making the connection that the building is fine, the church and the steeple, but, but the church is the people. And if there's ever a time we've been reminded of this, it's now. Because I come into this building a couple times a week, and it's about anywhere from four to 10 of us. Uh, and, and that's church. But so many of us, a part of this church, aren't in this building. But I know you're being the church because I hear all the stories all the time. Bringing food to people, making phone calls to people, uh, inviting people, giving of your time, giving of your resources for the good of your neighbor and for the good of, of this church and the health of this body. 
we gather together at the table of Jesus, and even if it means physically we're not in the same room, we are still the church. We are still the church. Amen to that. There's a story of a little girl riding her bicycle by herself one day. Is there anything more carefree than an eight-year-old girl riding her bicycle? She's out riding her bike. She's listening to the sounds and seeing the sights. It was lovely. But as she's riding, at one point she realizes she doesn't recognize where she is. Uh, It's new territory, and she gets scared. But she's a brave girl. She's got courage. And she keeps looking. And as she's riding across the street, she sees a gas station, and parked in the parking lot of the gas station is a police car. So she rides over there, She finds the officer and tells the police officer that she does not know where she is. And the police officer says to the girl, would you like to uh, drive around so we can find your house and bring you home? And the girl said, I would like that very much. So they put the bike in the back of the squad car. They get in and the officer is driving them around the neighborhood. And after a while, the girl starts getting excited and yelling out, I see it! I see it! There it is! There it is! Right? Hmm. The police officer says to the girl, Do you see your house? And she says, No. I don't see my house. Then what do you see? And she says to the officer, I see my church, and I can always find my way home from there. Let's lean in. Would you pray with me? God, I want to express right now my gratitude, and I want to offer space for people who can hear my voice to offer gratitude for our church, Emmaus Church. Thank you. Thank you for the help this place has been, for the hope that the people in this church live out, the trust they have in Jesus, the patience they display to us, the grace they have given to us, an extension, God, truly of your grace to us. The ways in which the people of this church share the good news of Jesus. And I am especially thankful, God, right now, during this time, for how it is you are working among us. You are good. You love us. You give us good gifts. 
And would you please, God, show us how to continue being the church to each other, to our neighbors, to the world, that we would be the hands and feet of Christ, empowered by your Holy Spirit. That we would be a people walking with our Lord Jesus as he teaches us and as we fellowship together with him in his name. I lift up all these things, Heavenly Father, to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.